Do you see the script? Stop following. Then you say your stop part, following the script. And then we go into I'm and I'm. You wrote the fucking script. I'm following well, the script. Well, when I heard it out loud, I decided it. I wanted something Get different. Get your shit together. <laughs> I decided I wanted something different. OMG. Then fucking switch it in the script. But I don't understand why you didn't just intuitively feel what I felt in that moment. Because I don't agree with you. What do you, you mean you don't agree with I me? I think you should go. St- we have I think consistently you go straight into the in season one. We dreamed together. They don't even and know who we, we, are. Who we are. But if you want to switch it up, fine. I'll switch it up. How about this? Dive in justice is back. Welcome to our inaugural episode. Turn it up. <clears throat> you sound like a used car salesman. You're a. Fu- <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> So it feel like there should be those right. like wacky balloon I'm things. Walking away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking away. I'm getting myself something to drink. You fucking fix the script, and I will be back with some alcohol. It's too early for that. Welcome to. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Dive In Justice, Season 3, the podcast that explores building ideal communities with our less-than-ideal selves. I'm Shandine Garcia. And I'm Delma Jackson. In Season 1, we dreamed together. In Season 2, we looked at the ways we can be our own nightmare. In Season 3, we're looking at what it means to make a living while trying to tear down the very systems that pay us. Welcome to Season 3. Love you. Pay me. If you joined us for any part of our journey for seasons one and two, thank you so much. If you're just discovering us this season, welcome. We're honored to have you. To open up this season after a long hiatus, we thought we'd start by checking in. We'll catch up with one another, talk about our hopes for this season ahead, and figure out whose fault it was that we took so long to start season three in the first place. It's very clear, though, Delma, it was your fault. Anyway, we'll be right back. We haven't recorded an episode since April of 2022, and there's been a lot going on. From last April... There's a lot that's been happening. I got to watch my boys beautifully transition from their, you know, freshman and junior years in college into their sophomore and senior years in college and what they spent their summers doing. Both of them pretty amazing internships, which you know, I'm just so proud of them. My brother got married. Mm. I got COVID again. They got COVID again. We um, rounded the bend on launching this amazing Racial Justice Institute Lots of travel happened, presented at conferences in Seattle and um, Arizona and Florida and and more. Mm. And I think most importantly, I don't know if this is most importantly, but one huge thing in my life is I had a tough time going back to New Mexico after my father died. I couldn't imagine putting my feet on the same earth where he was no longer living. Mm. Um, but I was able to go back home and healing was able to happen. And I realized where I was wrong because my father is still very present mm. and his his imprint is very much on the earth down there. And I made a decision to move home. And so in the next few weeks, I will be putting my literal feet on my homeland. What's been going on with you? Mm. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, quick follow-up question regarding that. Um, I'm wondering if there was a particular moment when you went and spent some time in New Mexico that you realized you wanted to be there? Or if it felt more like a gradual kind of thing? Yeah, it's a great question. It was gradual. It was first going back Memorial Day weekend to visit my father's grave. Mm -hmm. And then it was my brother's wedding. And then it was my sister's birthday. And then one of my brothers said, why don't you live down there for a month and see what it's like and see if you're what it's like to be there, not around weddings and funerals and, and all that stuff, but just to be. Mm-hmm. And when I was there, that was it. That was the final. Yes, I absolutely. So gradual until that last last, last month living with my aunt, and my uncle, when I realized, no, I, I, I want and need to be yeah. home. That's what's up. Um I'm happy for you. I'm excited for you. And I imagine since you're going to be closer to family again, unless your family is the exception to the rule, I imagine that's going to be its own kind of mixed bag at times. And it's <laughs> right. <laughs> there's going to be some great times and I'm sure there's going to be some, some dramas along the way, but I think overall it's always good when we can be around our can folks. So yeah, I'm excited for you. Well, I think also two things to that. I am, I mean, I do have a lot of both given and chosen family up here in the Pacific Northwest. And so moving away from them is hard. But in terms of that uh, very true reality about family coming with, you know, pros and Mm -hmm. cons, it was very different when I was back there, you know, in my earlier stages of life to going there now. Mm -hmm. And my hope, I hope this assumption is true that I've grown (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and have more patience, more forgiveness, more life experience that can help create that empathy that I think sometimes wasn't always present when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In a perfect world. Yeah. And I have to imagine too, with that empathy, right? There is um, hopefully a stronger sense of creating and maintaining healthy boundaries. Yes. Right. Here's hoping. Fingers crossed. That's what my therapist. That's what my therapist says. (laughs) Here's here's hoping. I dig it. I dig it. Um, Let's talk about you. You've you've had a lot of action, a lot of stuff going on. There's been a lot going on, to be sure. Um, If I cast all the way back to uh, summertime, spring, summer, um, I had my first trip to Mexico. My partner and I uh, spent some time there, and that was great. Um, I had never been. And um, we had a really great time. And I was like, I'm somebody who didn't grow up taking a lot of vacations. And so this was our second actual vacation, right? The only vacations I've had up in my life have largely been, with a couple of exceptions, with her, right? In my adult life, particularly. So we did Hawaii last year, and this year we did Mexico. And so it was dope. Um, Outside of that, just a lot of travel within the States though, um, 90% of it for work. Um, but it's kept me very busy and it's meant leaning on all kinds of support networks and systems, right. In order to be able to do that and still make sure the kids are situated and, and all of that good stuff. But yeah, DC, Seattle, Portland, New Mexico, 
Um, and I'm probably forgetting a couple places as well. But yeah, it's been a lot. Um, Houston. That's right. It was just in Houston. And so there's been all of that. Um, I got COVID again when I was in Portland, right? Came home with that gift that kept giving. Um, what else? My daughter started driving this year, which is celebration. <laughs> I think I'm drilling a hole in a passenger side floor trying to act like there's a break <laughs> there. It's <laughs> not. Well, shit, my uh, car, which is a new car, by the way. That's another thing, right? I got a new car in November, and it's my first, like, newer, nicer car, and I'm all, like, excited about that. And it's about to be a Flintstones car if I don't chill out <laughs> trying to put, put, a, put a hole in that motherfucker. Um, yeah, so that's a big deal to me, and we're both nervous about it. So, you know, but she's doing well. She's doing well. Um, and the last thing I'll say is I've had, I wish I could say there were more of them, but there have been a couple intentional visits uh, more recently to spend some time with uh, a great aunt of mine who is 93 and sharp as a tack and <laughs> still telling stories. Um, and it's been great to spend a little time with her. She's actually my grandmother's sister. Um and as far as I know, she's the only living sibling out of a fairly large group of siblings. Um, and so I've had a chance to take pictures of her pictures and capture some of those. And I've also been recording uh, some of the stories that she's been telling. And I don't know yet what I want to do with all of that, but it's been really great just to capture some of that. And my goal is to try to get over there more often. I cannot take for granted that she's going to continue to be around forever, obviously. And so I really want to make sure, you know, to capture that. Where's the over there? Does, is she on your Mississippi family side or a different family side and is over there just to her home in, in Flint or is she? Yeah, no, um, that whole family is from Mississippi. In fact, her father, um, Opened one of the first black schools in Mississippi. Um, obviously, during the days of segregation, this is like post-slavery, right? And you had just huge swaths of young black folks who had no access to education, of course. And so that's something he took on. And she just has so many stories about what it took for him to open up those schools and to fend off attacks from white folks in that surrounding area who didn't even want to see mm -hmm. him do that, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so, I mean, house, is, house getting shot at, right? Like, death threats. Mm -hmm. um, but he fought and fought and um, was able to do it. And so my aunt who I've been visiting with ended up becoming a teacher in one of those schools. And so much of that was lost after Brown v. Board was passed. Right. And so that whole history mm -hmm. is something that I've come into largely academically, but it's been really dope to understand that my family's history is so wrapped up in all of that and the fallout from that. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's I'm, I can't wait to listen to some of those recordings with your great aunt. Yeah, I'm looking forward to spending some time with those and, and curating them and putting them in order and all of that. Yeah. I have one more follow up. Mm-hmm. My sons have actual <laughs> skits where they will reenact what I do in the passenger seat when they're driving. And it is high comedy. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Um, I imagine given your height, you have to sit so close to the dashboard. Oh, and a booster seats. Oh. Yeah, when you're five feet tall. You laugh. My father, as a child, when I was a child, I was sitting on top of, um, do you remember back in the day when we had yellow pages? Phone books. I know you was going to say phone books. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So not only did I have to sit on phone books so I could see over the dash, he also had to put, he would cut up two by fours into blocks and put them on the clutch and the brake because I couldn't reach. I couldn't get the clutch. My foot was was too short for the clutch to go all the way in. And he was like, you're not pushing it far enough. You're not pushing it far. And when I would, I would like slip off the seat. Like I could not, I was not tall enough. And this was just a few years ago, you said? Yeah, this was like two weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Oh, God. When we come back, Shandini and I will look at what we have coming up for season three. We're going to talk through some of the big themes and prepare ourselves and our listeners for all the context and craziness to come. We'll be right back. Thank you for giving Diving Justice a listen. We recognize that your time is the most valuable currency you have. If you're digging the pod, there are a couple of things you could do to show your support. First, head over to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. It just takes a few seconds of your time. And every review helps us grow our listenership and broadens the conversations we can have together. The second thing you can do and should do is consider supporting the podcast by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dive underscore in underscore justice. Welcome back. For those of you who listened to us for season two, apologies, because this is going to be a little bit um, repetitive for you. But those of you who are new, we just wanted to let you know that, you know, what we did in season two, we had some profiles and petty. We welcomed brilliant activists and thinkers from all over the planet and featured several voices from the Center for Whole Communities and Friends of Shoreline Consulting. And we really invite you, if you're new, to go back and, and listen to some of those. Yeah. Moving to season three is different, though. We wanted to look at the systems we work in. Um, This has always been kind of the meta goal of this pod, right? Um, If you're doing work in social justice while trying to make a living, you'll often find yourself in this tension between trying to embody justice and knowingly inviting a disembodied experience, right? Um, A way of disconnecting from your values just to render yourself all the more hollow in order to keep the work that you want to be doing. And we want to explore some of those themes in there. I mean, even in preparing for this inaugural episode, we talked for about an hour and a half on what that disembodied experience Mm -hmm. is. 
And so we really wanted to get in and unpack the layers of what that is and what that looks like as we're trying to do, you know, what my father would call God's work, what other people would call, you know, the work that the earth is asking of us. Mm -hmm. And so one of the themes we wanted to jump into is contemporary toms. Mm -hmm. So I just went and spent some time celebrating uh, the birthday of one of my favorite college professors, Dr. Melvin Peters. And the term contemporary times is one he used, he introduced me to. He used to talk about them all the mm-hmm. time, right? The mm-hmm. idea that Uncle Tom, right, coming out of this, the historical Uncle Tom's cabin, Harriet Beecher Stowe book, right? But the idea that you have what uh, was often, often referred to by Malcolm X as a house nigger, house Negro, right? A house. Mm-hmm. Slaves, right? People who were in the business of kissing master's ass in order to curry favor, right? And so Malcolm would often make this comparison between the house slave and the field slave. And the idea is that the field slave wanted to end the system while the house slave was buying into the system. And as much as I want to see myself in the field, right? With that mentality of, yeah, let's turn on the system. Let's do this thing. Let's get this freedom. Let's get this liberty and all of that. At the end of the day, I can sometimes see myself tap dancing for these white folks. Yep. Period. Yep. Right. Which forces us to ask that question of ourselves. Like, how does indoctrination leave us feeling less connected to our authentic selves? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that dance is real. Yeah. And then, and it cuts two ways, right? I want to get access to resources. I want access to education. I want access to the finances and comfort and a certain way of life. I want those things. But I'll never be fully embraced by the larger culture that I'm flying toward. And in the meantime, I'm perceived as flying away from the culture that gave birth to me in the first place. Right. So when I go home in quotes, right. When I go around the spaces and places I grew up in North side of Flint, when I go to the bars and the social scenes in those areas, I may or may not be fully embraced by those folks either. Yep. Right? So it cuts both ways. And what am I supposed to to do with that? And at some point that um those cuts start to get at us. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much we've been sort of suppressing them, as we were talking about aging a little bit earlier, that shit comes to the surface. Mm -hmm. We can't keep suppressing that any longer. Mm -hmm. I find myself the more, and I, and I credit, you know, one of my dear friends, Rita with this, but she's constantly talking about what does that mean for our, to recognize where in our bodies we're feeling Mm it. And I reject that because it's too hard and painful to do it. But the more I started doing it, the more I started thinking about where does this, what, impact does this tap dancing have Mm -hmm. on us, Mm -hmm. the more my body is reacting so quickly. Like even today when we were talking about something out of nowhere, I was like, oh, wow, shit, that made me cry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And so we can't keep ignoring the context of contemporary times. Not at all. Um, And the toll that it takes on us as a result Mm -hmm. of judging ourselves, Mm -hmm. (laughs) being judged by others. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I love the concept of a contemporary time. I love being able to call someone else out in that regard. And as I interrogate this idea, it feels like it exists on a spectrum. And there is no doubt in my mind that there's going to be whole swaths of people who look like me, who would turn around and call me a Tom for the work that I do and the compromises I make. But then I turn around and refer to someone else over there as a Tom for the work they do and the compromises they've made. Yep. And so whether that's fair or not, whether it feels like I'm being outcasted or called into an examination can feel different day to day, right? Depending on who the messenger is and what it is they're telling me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm struggling with that. Um, I'm currently struggling with that. And I think anyone who does this kind of work has to struggle with that sometime. Right. I think so too. I think, and that sort of leads into, you know, some of our future Mm -hmm. themes, like part of, I, I'm hoping part of the goal is to humanize ourselves to people who are doing this Mm -hmm. work. And it requires us to think about, well, for me, the, 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 the age old, what's the message to your younger self? Because mm-hmm. if we can actually start talking about those message, messages to our younger selves today out loud, anyone who is that younger self maybe doesn't have to go through the painful part of the work that mm-hmm. we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to that end, um, some of that work can look different over time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one of the themes that is coming up for us this season is looking at what we've called soft, hard lines. Right. And it's this idea that. So for me, for instance, when I was initially politicized, I was so rigid in terms of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. I was so rigid in terms of who's an Uncle Tom and who is not. What is Tom behavior and what is not, right? And if you were not approaching the work the way I was approaching the work, then you were fucking Tom in the story. Ain't nothing to talk about. And all the repercussions that came with that, Mm -hmm. like all the new words that they have now, canceled. Oh, yeah. Canceled you back then. Wore that like a chip on my shoulder and weaponized (laughs) the fuck out of it. Unforgiveness, binary thinking. It was either or. Yep, exactly. And as I have aged, I look at my lifestyle. I look at the expectations I have around what I should have access to. Right. And I have definitely gotten accustomed to certain creature comforts that I love so much. I will fight you if you come take them. (laughs) Right. But what does it mean for 
how I not only look at myself and the compromises I've learned to make along the way, but the message I would give to my younger self, Mm -hmm. right? There's a type of calming down I would want to convey to my younger self. Like, can you open up a little oh, bit? Yeah. Like, can you chill a little bit on that? Right. Preacher man. Fuck yeah. <laughs> right. Also, it's a fucking lonely place to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So not only just calm down, but calm down and like, go hang out with another human. You're okay. Yeah. This person's okay. Yeah. We're all okay. Yeah. And I'm not talking to be egregious. Like, I don't mind weaponizing my shit against, you know, fucking borderline Nazi assholes who I went to school no. with. But, but you know, I, I knew in college, I can even name the incidents of the, of the folks who I just canceled mm-hmm. because they were not the hard line that I expected them to yeah. be, that I felt like I needed them to be. It was almost like a lifeline that they weren't. Then fuck it. I could only surround myself with people yeah. who are as hardcore. What? You had to burn the right incense. You had to wear the right t-shirts. <laughs> You better be listening yeah. to the right music and you better be reading the right books. You better be even pronouncing names in the way that like, it's not Manuel, it's Manuel. And if you didn't say Manuel, then fuck, sell out. I didn't even speak Spanish. What the fuck? What exactly. the fuck? Exactly. And where does that come from? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah, rigid as fuck. And so yep. I, I look at where I was I look at where I am, and as much as I'm glad that I'm not so rigid, on one hand, there is also Mm. a fear that I've compromised too much, right? I agree. I mean, not agreeing that you compromised, (laughs) I'm saying. (laughs) I'm like, agree. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. (laughs) I'm glad you're being honest. Yeah, you have. (laughs) I mean, agree. That resonates with me a hundred percent. Yeah, I um, I don't have I don't have the Zoom emo- like reaction to put on this word, but there's a hundred percent word. And so, I think one of the things I'm interested in us talking about this season is what is that anchor when we feel a little bit adrift, when we're not sure how close or far away from our values. What are the things that we come back to? That allow us to to reground and to feel okay with some movement without fear mm-hmm. that I've drifted so far off course that I'm lost, right? Um, and to that point too, um, again, going always back to the the metaphor of the butterfly, right? Um, when I'm doing a certain type of work in a certain type of way. Can I look over and see someone else making a different choice about how they approach the work and be okay with embracing their particular approach and not judging them for not doing what I think they should be doing? Absolutely. And for our new listeners, the butterfly episode comes from an episode in a previous season with Leah Peniman, and she's got this amazing model for where people show up to um, interrupt racism and the four quadrants are resist, heal, build, and reform. And I'm not going to go into it because I really want you to go back and listen to that episode. But the bottom line is we need all four. Mm -hmm. And what Delma is talking about is 
where sometimes we may indict people who are in another part of that wing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so it is my hope, right, that as I mature, as I evolve, as we all do, um, that we are able to hold true to our own values, hold true to what feels right for us to do, while simultaneously giving space for others to approach the work in the ways that feel right to them. And to add another layer of complexity, if I truly believe you're off the mark, is it my knee-jerk reaction to just judge you and dismiss you or in keeping in my values, do I invite you into a conversation? Do I invite you into a space? Not to bash you for not doing the quote-unquote right thing, but rather to hold space with you to understand what you're seeing that I'm not. Let me let you know what I'm seeing that I don't think you're seeing. And can we come to a place where there's some some building we can do? Well, let's also be clear about where the compromise is within that moment. Mm -hmm. It depends on who it is we're talking to, right? Because to be fair, there are some people that I don't give a (laughs) shit about them. I mean, I want to. Right. Where right. I just want to fucking bash them. Right. Like, I just want to bash them. I, I'm sorry, not sorry, mm-hmm. as my friend Margaret taught me. Mm-hmm. Right. Versus being able to maintain that relationship with the client so that you can get paid or mm-hmm. with that person because mm-hmm. of positionality. Right. And so lots of stuff comes up for us around what's our obligation. No question. What is our obligation? Right. And how do we become okay with that sense of obligation moving around as life continues to happen, <laughs> right? Because yep. uh, what I feel yep. obligated to do today may or may not be real for me tomorrow, period. And what I have patience for yep. as we're navigating a system of, you know, insane oppression. And I'm not to say that I'm not without privilege. I have a good job. I have more than one car. I have a nice house. I have a roof over my head. Mm-hmm. Like, good job, mm-hmm. not Okay Mm -hmm. job. And what is our obligation? And what you just named is such a good segue into yet another conversation I know we've been looking to have, which is around privilege and integrity. Mm -hmm. Is there a relationship there? And what I mean by that is, so when I think about the choices, I'll use my mom as an example, Right. My mother... Hey, hang on, hang on. Your mom's going to be listening to this episode. Are you ready? Yeah. No, I'm good. I think right. I'm, I think this is a safe space for everyone involved. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you bring your mom into know, the right? episode, we got it. Right. Um, no, I appreciate the pause. I, I appreciate you <laughs> checking in with me real quick. Like, you sure? Um, no, I, I think about what I watched her do. 30 plus years in terms of walking into General Motors, standing on the assembly line and doing a very repetitive physical task five days a week for 30 plus years. Right. Mm -hmm. When I was old enough to inquire why she chose to do that work that was not engaging, it was not fulfilling, it was not meaningful. Her response was that in effect, the meaning it brought for her was connected to the resources it brought for her, right? So I need to be able to keep a job that pays well, gives the whole family benefits, your dad, same thing, 
right? So okay. that you all are taken care of. And because my parents, um, my dad was a registered nurse. His job was a, not as physically taxing as my mom's, but he had to spend more time in school, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. both of my parents worked hard to set me up to have access to certain things they didn't have. And as a result of me having more access, part of that meant more choices, right? Part of that meant if I didn't like something, if I didn't like a certain situation, if I didn't feel like this project I'm on or this job I have is doing the quote-unquote right thing, I always felt empowered to voice my opinion even when it got me terminated or just walk out. Yep. Right? I could keep my integrity in part because I understood that I wasn't going to go hungry. I was still going to have access to transportation. Right? My fundamental, my basic needs were going to be provided for by someone else for a long time while I figured out what are my values, what are my priorities, what does my integrity mean to me. So is there a privilege connected to having integrity? And that's something that I'm really interested in talking about. We need to get deep into that because I have been talking about this for about Two months straight. Mm. What is the cost of that integrity? Mm -hmm. And we were just trying to break it down even earlier when we were talking about um, before we started recording the what are your alternatives? Are we actually between a rock and a hard place trying to live into this integrity? Mm -hmm. Let's just use that phrase for right now. So I used to say, fuck that. I'll work at McDonald's before I'll blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Shit, that's my fucking option. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I would say that flippantly, but it's not like working at McDonald's wouldn't compromise every ounce of my fucking soul. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, no, we have to get into what doesn't what does living into this integrity cost us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as we do this work. Yeah, yeah. And if I suddenly lose a bunch of resources. And my most basic needs are no longer met necessarily. What does that do to my integrity? Yep. At what point, which things can you take away or how many things of mine can you take away before I'm like, you know what? I'm about to start selling crack. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) Or... Or at what point do we then actually find ourselves embodying the very system we want to dismantle? Yeah. Yeah. And those are options on either side, like this from here to here, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. I could tap dance for y'all and keep this good paying job, or I can stake or, with my integrity, cuss all y'all out, and be broke as hell. Or I'm just selling crack. Or I'm just selling crack to elementary school kids. In a black neighborhood. In my neighborhood. In a black neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> on the reservation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then pretty much we're this we're the, you know, worst beings on the and planet. Sleep, so And sleep good at night. Right? Right? Jesus so, Christ. Listeners, if any of this resonates with you, any of the themes 
that we've covered, please tune in. Absolutely. Come join us. We don't have answers. We have a ton of questions. <laughs> and we are excited to bring some of those themes, topics, questions um, to you all in the hopes that it becomes a two-way conversation, right? Um, we're excited to bring in some guests. And given how long it's been since we've recorded, uh, I think we're going to be a little selfish this season and just hang out, um, just the two of us, for the, at least the first half of the season. Yeah. Um, and then start Yeah, bringing, I think— mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think just for full transparency for our listeners, the time it takes to unpack these in deep Mm. conversation helps us when we're talking with future guests on this content. Mm -hmm. And we've heard from you all that you want to hear us grapple with it before we're actually bringing our guests Mm -hmm. on. So we're going to try it this season. And if at the end of season three, some of you are like, nah, you should have had you all and then the Mm -hmm. guest and then you all and the guest or more of the guests. Well, then we'll respond to that. So this is us responding to you all saying that you all wanted to hear the raw recording of us really trying to talk openly about these tensions and then pull our guests into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, this, this season three isn't going to be a doozy, right? We are, we are trying something new. And on top of that, we're really trying to grapple with that intersection of um, love and liquidity, as we've said, you know, and so we're going to try to, Ask some tough questions. We are going to uh, commit to being as honest with ourselves and our listening audience as possible. We're really excited um, for this conversation. We're really excited for some of the guests that we will have coming up. I'm really excited to, to see how this comes through. And the spirit of being honest in transparency mm-hmm. and a little scared. Oh, of course. And a little scared to actually speak this truth that lives out there. Mm-hmm. Um, super excited. I agree with Delma. Um, and I don't want to lie. <laughs> a little scared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with that, uh, before we get ready to close out for this inaugural episode, I just wanted to uh, invite Shandine to... Um, just apologize to our audience for us taking so long to get season three going. If you wanted the space to do that, I felt like this would be a good time. So go ahead. Listeners. Yeah. I humbly, sincerely, Mm. honestly, Mm. and authentically from the bottom of my heart, apologize. That I chose Delma to partner with on this project. Mm. If I'd had another partner, you wouldn't have had to wait this long. Mm. On behalf (laughs) of all of my people, I'm so sorry I chose Delma. So I... How'd I do? You know what? It was actually, it was perfect. Dive in Justice is a co-production of the Center for Whole Communities and Shoreline Consulting. The Center for Whole Communities exists to build capacity at the individual, organizational, and community level to deepen awareness, embrace differences, and value relationships, thus making change possible. Shoreline Consulting co-constructs solutions and strategies 
that align with your goals and leverages the voices, perspectives, and wisdom of those who stand to benefit. For more information on Center for Whole Communities, find us at wholecommunities.org. For more information on Shoreline Consulting, visit us at thinkshorelines.com. Dive in Justice theme song created by Nasir Thomas Jackson. Original music throughout today's episode created by Dana and Alden. Check out their debut album, Brothers, on Spotify. Jenny Cotting helps us out with marketing and promotions. Thank you all so much. Without your effort, this show would not be possible.